Kia ora and welcome to the Female Career Podcast. My name's Anna Johnston and I work as a leadership and career coach for women. I'm looking forward to sharing with you an inspiring collection of career stories of a diverse range of women of Aotearoa New Zealand. I hope that by listening to these stories, you'll feel inspired in your own career. If you do enjoy the story, please head along to our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we have lots more stories of wonderful Kiwi women and their careers. We'd also love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you have all the episodes at your fingertips. And please do tell your friends and family about it too. For now, though, I hope you enjoy listening to this career story. I'm delighted to be speaking today with Emily Walton. Emily is a specialist insurance lawyer and has been a partner at leading New Zealand law firm Wynne Williams since 2011. She's worked in New Zealand, Australia and England, and since the Canterbury earthquakes has been heavily involved in related insurance claims and disputes. Emily is also a strong supporter of women in the workplace, which is how I came to meet her originally. And Emily also set up a long-running women in business network in Christchurch. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about Emily's career journey today. Kia ora, Emily, and thank you very much for joining. Hi, Anna. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Good. It was nice to have a wee chat with you beforehand and hear about your cycle into work today and the difference it made to your mood. Yeah, it was, it's a beautiful, crisp, cold Christchurch morning, and it really does lift your mood riding through that. Fantastic. Well, my first question for you today, Emily, is a slightly different one and is about often I find when we talk about careers, we think about that time post our, say, tertiary education or or after high school. But actually, our our careers are often shaped by some of our thoughts, our dreams, our aspirations when we were a kid. So when you were a child or a teenager, what did you dream of being or doing in your career? When I was at school, I was more science focused than arts. And so I was actually more focused on vet school or med school. And I was quite focused on that for most of my school days, including when I was an exchange student in Norway, I took biology and physics by correspondence school. So Law was quite a change after having that focus for so long. Mm -hmm. And so how did you end up making that shift from the sciences to law? (laughs) Well, I was at Otago and I was in Selwyn College uh, and the Guardies was quite close and I spent quite a lot of time there and not quite enough time in the libraries. So at the end of my first year, when I didn't get good enough grades to get into med school, I decided that I'd do something that I perceived to be a little easier and uh, change to arts and law school. Mm. So um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a sixth-generation lawyer on my um, father's side of the family, so it was actually a fairly well-trodden path, I guess, for me. Oh my goodness me, that is, a, that is probably quite a heavy family influence going on there as well. Looking back on it now, how do you feel about that decision? Well, my dad was very anti, actually. He didn't want me to be a lawyer at all. How did I make that decision? Yeah. I guess because my f- background, I have a lot of professionals and medicos in my family, and so I always felt that there needed to be a vocational element to what I was doing rather than just a wider uh, educational element. So that's why I didn't just change to pure arts, I changed to to law. I was pretty creative back then and I think my dad felt that I was going to become, it wasn't going to be necessarily healthy for me, but actually I've found you can find creativity in law, which is fun. And tell me a bit more about that. I'd love to hear about how you've brought that element of creativity into your law practice. I think there are two issues really. One is that I think having a science background is really 
good for law because there is a high degree of forensic analysis, be it of facts or of words. And so having that that sort of forensic background can be really strong. And often people will say to me, young kids will say, I'm really good at history and English and I want to be a lawyer. And I feel like saying to them, actually, there's a bit more to it than writing beautiful sentences. But um, <laughs> I try not to say that, though. <laughs> but, but that is also part of it. And that's where the creativity comes in, too. It's, it's, uh, it's the language and being able to conceptualise ideas so that you can present arguments in a way that are compelling. That's sort of where the creativity comes in. I like it. I hadn't, I hadn't sort of thought about it. My dad is actually a lawyer and I hadn't thought about that creative element, but I like to hear that, that sort of forensic scientific side, but also alongside the creative side. Interesting. Mm. And tell me about the first few years of, of your career. Well, I graduated in the mid nineties and times were pretty tough in the mid nineties. And I really didn't want to be a lawyer when I first graduated. I went to Auckland and tried to become a marketer because I used to proofread a lot of the marketing papers that one of my very good friends (laughs) wrote. And I thought that looked something I could do. That'd be a good idea. Until one of the recruiters sat me down and told me I was completely delusional and that I had a law degree and I should blooming well use it. About that time, my dad said, actually, we've got a staff solicitor role in his firm and did I want to take it? I said no. And then he said, miraculously, you've got the job. Come on in. <laughs> so my start of my career was at dad's firm, though I didn't work closely with him. I worked um, in sort of general practice in, in the courts, duty soliciting work. And then I'd been practicing for about six months and the Domestic Violence Act came out and I was the only female practitioner in our firm. And we acted for what was then known as the Women's Refuge. And so I used to do a huge amount of legal aid protection order, domestic violence work. And that was really tough. Um, So I was in my mid-20s and I'd had a pretty fantastic and, frankly, easy life. And to empathise and sympathise and work closely with women and represent them dispassionately, though, in these terrible times that they were having, it was really tough. And so, again, I think when when I... finished working there and that was just about two years I did that I again went gosh I can't do this I'm not prepared I don't have the equipment to do this kind of work and I must say I've never done any of that kind of work since it was pretty harrowing taught me a lot though Mm, what did you learn from that I think I learned that you can't put domestic violence in a box and assume that it only happens in one sector of society Mm. I think and this is very much my own personal view I think domestic violence can be frequently born of frustration people whose lives are just not going the way it should or could have you know people who are bright who have not had any opportunities there seems to me to be an element of frustration and now that's absolutely you know that's my 25 year old self talking um, with absolutely no qualifications but it is something I noticed a bit and also you can't judge people for not being able to get away Mm. it's complicated it's complicated so looking at people with um, an open mind. Where did you go from there then? You sort of said you thought, oh, I need some different equipment to be able to to cope in this world. So what was your next step in your career? I left and went travelling and lived in the States for a while and then lived in London for a while and then lived in Ireland and Cork for a while. And this was probably about a year and a half travelling and doing odd jobs and things. And then I was in Cork and I've had a bit of an epiphany. Uh, And instead of looking outwards and thinking, what do I want to do with my life? I thought, actually, what... What's important to me? What are my strengths and weaknesses? All that kind of what colour is your parachute that I'd never really thought of particularly. 
Uh, and I realised going through that process that I was quite well suited to law and that and the thing that I find most interesting is learning, knowing nothing and then knowing something mm. and, and that process I love. So I realised I was quite well suited. So I packed up from Ireland and went to London and, and got a job at a firm that was then about the 10th biggest law firm called Rowan Moore mm-hmm. doing property litigation. Mm-hmm. And the uh, law in London is kind of notoriously known for its long hours, uh, hard work, sometimes sort of over, even overnight working. How did you find the the working hours and the balance then? Our firm wasn't too bad. I, the reputation of Rowan Moore at the time was sort of the friendly firm, even though it was a big firm. So I actually found Sydney, when I worked in Sydney, a hell of a lot more demanding. Mm. Sydney, I was frequently working 14 hours a day, six days a week. Mm. Um, whereas London was not like that. Mm. I think when you, when you think about those big London firms, that's often the corporate teams, commercial teams, M&A teams doing deals, whereas the stuff I was doing was not quite so intense. So, I mean, it was cool. We ended up going to the House of Lords on one injunction issue, which was pretty cool. It's still girl from Timaru at the House of Lords. It was wicked. Yeah. But no, I didn't find it terribly taxing. It was, it was much worse in Sydney. Okay. And how did you cope then with Sydney with those with those long hours? I know this is not an appropriate thing to say, but work hard, play hard. That uh-huh. was how we all cope with it. <laughs> Don't say anymore. <laughs> and uh, everybody finds different ways of coping. And mm. for a lot of people, particularly if you are in your 20s, 30s, that kind of work hard, play hard, it works. And if everybody's doing the same thing, then, then great. That's right. We had a really strong camaraderie within our team and uh, we were all really good friends. And so actually that, that working hard, playing hard thing was absolutely what got us through it. We did it together and we were young and resilient. Mm. And then what was your journey back to New Zealand and, and to Wynne Williams? How did that um, come about? So my late husband had a daughter from his first marriage um, and he wanted to be closer to her. Mm. So that was the driver to come back to New Zealand. And I remember as we were flying into Christchurch, looking down at the CBD, and this was in 2007, looking down at the CBD and thinking, oh dear, I don't think there's going to be much insurance work down there. (laughs) (laughs) Careful what you wish for. (laughs) Uh Yes, did you say it was 2007 when you were thinking that? Only three, four years later, a whole changing world. Mm, Exactly. And what would you say in terms of your current role? What do you find you love about it? And what do you find some of the more challenging bits of it? I think just touching on a comment I made earlier, that love of learning. My work is never boring. And that is something that I think is quite special to law. It's not unique, but it is something that isn't common to to law. And so I find that fantastic. I love that forensic diving into the detail of things and learning and understanding things. In terms of, I feel strongly towards my team too, and that's both my own insurance team within Wynne-Williams, but actually the wider team, the firm itself. I I enjoy the people I work with. I, I enjoy the camaraderie and the friendship with them. I enjoy bringing juniors through and, and teaching and guiding them. Mm. And what would you say are some of the bits that you find a bit tougher, some of the more challenging parts of it? I actually wrote notes on this last night because I was thinking this is the kind of thing that I could say the wrong thing. Right, <laughs> I had four points. Yeah, go on. What are they? Number one was Sydney working working too hard, that kind of brink of burnout stuff when it gets too heavy. And, you know, I remember also after the earthquakes being online and working. So 
remembering my husband had died in between the September and February earthquakes, so things were pretty odd for me anyway. But mm-hmm. um, logging on and working and, and firing off emails at one in the morning to engineers and so on, and they, they would also be sitting there working and they'd be firing emails straight back. So it was an incredibly intense time. And that kind of brink of burnout can be pretty tough. Mm-hmm. I'm not in that space at the moment. I don't, you know, I guess COVID's contributed partly to that. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that can be difficult is managing those quite close relationships, especially the mentor-mentee relationship. Um, And one of the things that as the mentor you need to be very mindful of is giving your mentee wings to fly and letting them do it, Mm. standing back and do it. And I think I I did have a a scenario where I found myself um, banging up against my mentor and became pretty unhealthy and that was distressing actually. And then the final thing was recently I have been bullied by a barrister that I was working with on our side and I've never been bullied before so at work and I that was really challenging. Mm. Um, yeah, unexpected, unexpectedly undermining and eroding and not being able to have the confidence to push back like you'd expect you would. It was, it was terrible. It was interesting but terrible. Mm. And that kind of thing, you know, bullying happens in, you know, we think of it sometimes as the kind of the schoolyard stuff, but it happens in workplaces as well. How did you, mm. what did you do to cope with it or to handle that for yourself? <laughs> I'd stepped back and became extremely professional and didn't give anything of myself at all Mm. but it was a yeah it was difficult Mm, I can I can imagine because it's tough funny for that to happen that when you've been practicing for 20 years with none of that and or I've been really fortunate to have incredibly positive relationships in my in my career always so it was quite a shock (laughs) at this wise old age for that to happen but anyway interesting Yes, and I guess in some ways having it happen at more of a wise old age, you probably have more of the tools now to be able to cope with that than if it had happened when you were, say, in your, in your early 20s. Do you know what? I actually don't know if I agree with that. I think that in some ways you're so shocked that it's happened to you. It take, it makes you feel like you are that person in your young 20s and completely incapable of knowing how to manage it because it's so left field. Mm. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, that's one of the reasons it's so damaging, of course, it sort of t- takes you down to that level. To level, yeah, yeah. And if you're looking back now over the, perhaps over the last few years or even over your whole career, what are some of your your proudest moments? I touched on um, going to the House of Lords when I was practising in London. That was, hmm. that was pretty special. And our QC taking us to the River Room at the Savoy for roast goose for lunch afterwards. <laughs> Um, <laughs> always comes back to food. <laughs> I also uh, was in the High Court in Australia, which is their highest court, and that was, again, just pretty incredible. Now, one of the things that I feel quite proud of is when I walk or drive around the city of Christchurch and I see buildings that I was involved with in terms of their earthquake claims. Or So I sort of feel like I, I have ownership, but... I'm part of the city fabric, and and that makes me feel quite quite proud. Mm, mm, I can imagine that sort of that everyday reminder, in fact, of the role that you've yeah. played in in helping to rebuild the city. Yeah. 
Yeah, nice. And you know, you do have a pretty full-on role and a, and a busy old life outside. How do you find balance between work and, and your broader life? I find it every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not very good at it. I'm not very good at it. I um, No, I'm not very good at that. I, I am cursed by the fact I find work more interesting than most of the things on TV. So I tend to uh, work at night quite a lot, which isn't that healthy. I also have a child, so and I'm a solo mum and a widow, so I'm doing the big juggle. So as she's getting older, it's getting easier. But it, yeah, balance isn't a great strength of mine. Mm. Do you know, as you were talking, that brought me back to, to when I did my I did my thesis actually on workaholism and way back, way back when. And one of the things that I remember looking at was an actual fact, if you enjoy your work, then working hard and working long hours is just fine. It, it becomes that sort of working, working a lot becomes a problem if you're not enjoying it anymore. And from what I can hear from you, there's still that passion and that love for the, for the law and the work that you do. So, so maybe the balance is, is just fine for you. It's interesting you say that because I remember reading somewhere about stress and the the suggestion was that stress is obviously has really negative health consequences. But if you experience your stress in a positive way rather than a negative way, actually people who have that positive experience of stress have the same health outcomes as people who have no stress. Mm. And I thought that was really interesting. So just, you know, that mindset's obviously really important. Mm-mm. I also wonder sometimes if I just look for the research that supports my own behaviours. So, so who knows? <laughs> if you looked back then, what might you do differently in your career? I would be more courageous. Um, I think I've sort of done well in spite of myself rather than because of myself. And I think that perhaps I would have been a bit more strategic and I would have backed myself a little bit more in terms of yeah, the general career direction. I, I would never regret being in Christchurch and, and I absolutely love living here and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. But I just wonder whether perhaps I'm not very political and perhaps I should be a little bit more savvy in that direction. I have prepped you for this question, so whether or not you have an answer, don't worry if you don't. But what's the one question about your career that people never ask you that you wish that they did? You did prep me with this question, and it is the only question on my sheet that I don't have an answer to. People tend to not ask you that many questions about your career, actually. You say you're a lawyer and people go, oh. <laughs> and then they either ask you if, they, if you know anyone they know, or that sort of ends the question, really. I'm interested in that, and that sort of, you know, the the bit where your dad's saying, don't be a lawyer, if people kind of respond with the, oh, you're a lawyer, oh. What would you say from yourself is the, is the counter to that? What You know, if there were other people out there who are considering being lawyers, who are early stage in their law careers, what might you say to them about it? The thing I do normally say to people who are looking at it, at, uh, that, at the legal career path, is it's never boring and that is a really fantastic thing. But it is also heavy with responsibility and can be very demanding. But it can be really good fun. And, and I think being able to say that about your career is um, a great thing to be able to say. Hmm. A bit of biff, nice. you know, a little bit of biff can be good fun. Yeah, nice. And where where do you see your career heading in the future? Well, as a litigator, we're really lucky. We have a lot of options. There's the bench, there's the bar, there's so becoming a judge, becoming a barrister. I've done my training to be a mediator, so I need to get that moving. 
there are lots of different options. It'll just depend on how long I continue to find it interesting. And my backup is to have a soup kitchen. So, you know, it'll be somewhere along that spectrum. <laughs> As you said, it comes back to food. <laughs> there you go. It always comes back to food, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> and what career advice um, would you have for others? Well, I would say face your fears early. Recognise that if you want to do litigation, you don't want to go to a country that has a split bar. So by that I mean separate barristers and solicitors because it erodes your experience, your time in court. So you don't want to end up in the UK or, or Australia. If you want to do litigation in New Zealand in the end, it can be unhelpful. If you're a woman, I think this is probably quite controversial, but I got a bit of a surprise when I learned about how quickly fertility can drop off once you hit 40. And I think if you're a young woman and you want to have all of your options available to you, you might want to think about freezing some eggs early on in your life just to keep your options open. Yeah. Nice. I like a bit of controversy, so I'm glad you shared that. And it's one of those things that particularly if you are quite, career driven and maybe haven't found that right someone and you think you might want to have kids one day do you know it's practical advice that we don't always talk about a lot so thanks Emily for uh, for sharing it well life doesn't always turn out the way you plan and that's what happened with me with my husband dying when we had just one child and so it limited my options ultimately my age did and that was unfortunate so yeah nice any last pieces of wisdom for women in their careers no, Anna. I think uh, I think it's just really exciting watching the way the world's changing with women taking up more and more leadership roles around the world. Interesting to see what the world's going to be like in 20 years as a consequence. I have hope it's going to be better with with more balance. I think, you know, there's, the, there's not for me, I wouldn't want to see it, it flip completely the other way and women run the world. I think it's uh, great to have balance and balance of views and opinions and voices. I think it, hopefully we'd end up with, with better outcomes. Yeah. It will be really interesting to see. Yeah. Lovely. Well, thank you so much, Emily. Really appreciate it. It was great talking to you and I look forward to catching up again soon. Thank you, Anna. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Female Career Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more inspiring stories of women of Aotearoa and their careers, subscribe to the Female Career Podcast via Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you like to listen so that you never miss a story. You can also take a look at our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we feature the stories. And if you subscribe to our mailing list, you can have career advice and inspiration delivered directly to your inbox. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to you joining us again soon.